Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sexy Lifestyle Podcast. We are Stephanie and Fox from Evolve Your Intimacy, sitting in for Carol and David. We are a sexual health education and guidance center where you learn to educate, enlighten, and evolve your intimacy. Are you ready to spice up your sex life? Well, you've come to the right place because that is what the sexy lifestyle is all about. We are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be by discussing everything about relationships, sexual health, sex, intimacy, and pleasure. We love discussing the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown with our top experts in the industry and hope that our conversations will open up your dialogue for great sex. Because great sex matters and we all deserve it. Welcome to the... Evolve Your Intimacy podcast. This is Stephanie, and tonight we are going to be talking about a program for to help you remember consent and consensual sex, making it the best you can. Also, we're going to turn, learn how to talk to partners about our needs and our wants. We have so much good stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about ST, STIs and how to destigmatize them, but of course, I'm not the only one talking about this. I have an expert on. And our expert tonight is Dr. Eveline Dacker. And she's a board certified integrative and holistic family physician specializing in sexual health and consent. Her unique approach to wellness incorporates pleasure as an essential aspect of healing, trauma, and illness. Also, in addition to everything else that she does in life, practicing medicine, probably just, you know, a thousand other things. She uh, was the executive director of Sex Positive Portland from 2018 to 2020. She teaches other healthcare providers about pos- sex positivity, destigmatizing STIs, and so much more, and how to keep an open mind about the alternative sexual practices. Everything that we talk about here on the show, she's pretty much, she lives and breathes it as well. She also hosts workshops, and I'm just excited that we have the ability to have her on the show tonight. So let's um, take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to be right back with Dr. Eveline, Eveline Dacker. Like we do every show, we're going to take a minute to talk about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex, but nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot. So if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. It sure does. And we want to tell everybody about our new color for our blanket. It's uh, pink on one side and blue on the other. And these are actually the same colors as the pink ribbon for supporting breast cancer and the blue ribbon that supports prostate cancer. 
Our mission for this new blanket is to support survivors in their journey to returning to a normal sex life. We will donate $5 per blanket sold to a charity that helps survivors get back in the sack. Love it. Get back in the sack. So to find out more, go to our website, topwaterproofblanket.com to find out how you can join and help in our mission and buy your pink and blue blanket on Amazon today. Thanks so much for your support. And yes, we are back. This is Stephanie from the Evolve Your Intimacy podcast. And tonight we are going to be talking with Dr. Eveline Dacker about um, some really awesome programs that she's written. And I'm just going to jump right in. Dr. Eveline Dacker, how are you? <laughs> I am great. It's so nice to be invited and meet you here. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. So just kind of tell, tell our listeners who you are. Yeah, I am a holistic family doctor who lives in Salem, Oregon, and I uh, do your basic primary care. In addition, I have this mission to recognize that sexuality is part of our holistic health and medicine, and so I have created different workshops and ideas to just help everybody recognize the importance of their sexual health and wellness as part of being healthy in general. So (laughs) you created a dating workbook that teaches people how to advocate for their needs and their desires using the acronym, and I love this, STARS. Um, Can you tell us what that stands for and just open up the book for us? Tell us what that means, and I'm so excited. Yeah, so... You know, as I was learning about sexuality, let me just back up and tell you how it came to be. Okay. Because all is important. As I was learning about sexuality, I realized that many subcultures, sex positive subcultures, did this thing of creating a container for themselves. And the way they created a container was talking about their STI status and their needs and their desires and their boundaries and what they wanted out of that container. And I just remember like my mouth dropped and I thought, why doesn't every single person do this? I mean, everybody should talk to each other before you have any sex or intimacy. And I went back and I like played with the acronym and I came up with this acronym uh, called STARS. And I created it for two people. I created it for my patients so I could give them something to think about as they were you know, starting relationships. And I created it for my son who was about to go to college so that he could actually bring it to colleges. And so I created it for young adults and for people who are wanting to really get the most out of their relationships with one another and to make sex and intimacy really yummy. So STARS is an acronym that's what I believe is one of the five most important things that we should know about ourselves and then actually communicate them with, uh, with a potential partner or partners. So the acronym, uh, I'll say it really you know quickly and then we'll go through each piece. So the first S is your sexual health which includes your STI status. I believe that if we actually talk about our STIs and talk about testing, we're going to destigmatize it and we're going to like be able to recognize the importance of taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other. So first one's uh, sexual health and STI status. The second one is turn-ons. That's the T, turn-ons. What is it that you like? What turns you on? What do you desire? What makes sex yummy for you? How do you like to be touched? 
how do you want, what do you like? Do you like kink? Do you like vanilla? Just the whole gamut. Like what is it that you, that turns you on? The next one is A, and that's avoids. And avoids are your boundaries, your triggers, possibly your trauma if you have them. Like where, where is it that you just don't want to go to? You don't, you're not really interested in because so many times we make assumptions about each other and then we never discuss them. So we find out where those avoids are only when we start crossing them or they're crossed within mm. us. So in order to avoid them, <laughs> you talk about them. <laughs> the R is relationship intentions and expectations. That's a long way of saying, what does sex mean to me? What is it, you know, what does sex mean to me? When I engage with somebody, what is my intention here? What is it my intention in a relationship? What is it my intention um, in this scenario? And then the expectations, another way of thinking of that is aftercare. Like, what are my expectations? If I'm going to have sex with somebody, what do I really expect from them? And people say, oh, we shouldn't have expectations. Let's be, you know, kind of Buddhist and, and not attached. But the truth is we all have expectations. So let's just own them. Mm. Let's own them and let's say them. And then you, we may not get as hurt. And expectations can be easy. Like, oh, I just want you to check in on me tomorrow. You know, or I like to cuddle after sex, or I don't like to cuddle after sex. And then the last one, which is the S, is safety needs. And, you know, at first it was like safer sex protocol, but I realized that it's bigger than that. It's really what we need to feel safe so we could co-create this container. And, of course, it includes like STI prevention and, uh, you know, prevention of undesired pregnancies. But it's even more than that. It's like, how do I feel if, if I'm drunk? Like, how do I feel if I feel unsafe? Like, how do I tell people that I need to let my friends know at nine o'clock that I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how do I, how does my race uh, and my culture affect my feelings of safety? How does my religion and spirituality and how do I see sex? Is it something sacred? Is it something taboo? And the other one I, I added in was also about, you know, what if you have ADHD or neurodiverse or have another way of thinking that you need your partner to understand so that you can actually come together and co-create something beautiful and, and safe. I absolutely love that. I absolutely. It's one of probably to me, one of the most revolutionary conversations that you can have. Now, granted, not many people are having these conversations because they're embarrassed. Um, so let's, I'd kind of like to put it into a practice with an imaginary person. So, you know, uh, you, you said safe sex protocols. And I, I love that how you said that, because what if we hook up with um, somebody, we're at a club dancing, we hook up and people are like, oh, you know, it's just a hookup. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell them everything. It doesn't matter. But that's mind blowing to me because it does matter because we are allowing people inside of us at sometimes and into our genital genitals and but we're not going to talk and have the conversation. And so I feel like this model is great for just coming up with something. Here's my here's my my elevator speech and it doesn't have to be forever mm -hmm. long. It's just an elevator speech. And so can you give us an example of what how it would look? how it would flow sure sure um in fact we could do it together okay how about that okay 
you know? So I'll start it. And so, you know, this conversation could be like very intense and take days or take a long time, or it can be very short. And sometimes like if I'm meeting somebody for the first time, I kind of, I, I start it by saying, hey, do you want to play a game with me? And they're like, I, I, I have two games I play with people. First one is guess what job I have, which as having a purple hair and pierces, they rarely guess what I do. So that kind of makes them warm, that warms them up. And then my second one is like, hey, do you want to play this game with me? It's called Stars. And they're like, sure. I'm like, okay. Uh, and they kind of go through the acronym really fast. And I'm like, okay. So my last, and I'll do it with you. Let's okay. play this game. I love it. Um, my last STI check was a month ago, and I was checked for gonorrhea and chlamydia, and I was checked just in my vagina. Uh, I get checked for gonorrhea and chlamydia probably every three to six months, depending on who I have sex with and whether or not I'm using um, pr- protection or a condom. So I last was checked. I checked for HIV syphilis and i do get the herpes antibody test i do that about once a year and just so you know because my risk factors for those are pretty low i also once a year get a gonorrhea and chlamydia test in my throat as well because you should test every place of entry uh and for yeah how about you when we what's your last STI <laughs> um my last sti check was um i don't even know what month it is this is october so it was four months ago and i did a full panel so i got tested for everything um but i did not get tested in my throat and it's so interesting that you said that um because I have not been tested in my throat before and I go I'm going to schedule that yeah so just a little um I w- when you said the full thing, I would go back and say, so what does that mean? What is the full panel? Okay. So the gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, um, the HPV, uh, HS, uh, the herpes, HSV, and then AIDS. Okay. Great, great. Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't know what's in the full panel. And usually, like, HPV is not part of the full panel because that is only get tested every three to five years, depending on mm-hmm. how old you are. And the herpes antibody also, most doctors don't do it because it's it's controversial. Yes. Um, so, so oftentimes, like I want to know what it, somebody when they say the full panel, what that actually means, because a lot of people don't actually they don't know. And when you hear the full panel, it's like, oh, what is that? So I often like very clearly say where I got tested as well. And yes, the recommendation is to get tested uh, if you're, especially if you're non-monogamous or have multiple sexual partners, that you get tested in every point of entry. So mm-hmm. if you have anal sex without condoms, then you should get tested in your anus as well. Sometimes you can be positive in your throat without knowing that, and even being negative in your vaginal canal or in your anal canal. So it is a good idea to get tested every point of entry. I love that. Absolutely. And- yeah. Okay, I'm not going to go. I'm, we're going to stick with the with this. <laughs> so the next thing I'm going to talk about is my sexual health. So um, I am postmenopausal, which means that sometimes I need a little bit more lube. I need a little bit more lubricants. And I really enjoy using silicone lube. And I just like normalizing that. So don't think it has anything to do with you or like I, not because I'm not turned on. It's just the way my body is. Mm-hmm. And I... You know, I have no other issues. How about you? Do you have any um, sexual needs or issues around or something that I should know about just so that I could just be aware of who you are? Well, I am ADHD and scatterbrained. Um, 
I am perimenopausal, so <laughs> it's coming. It's it's on its way there. Um, and I really, even though most of the time may not need lube, I really enjoy lube. And I like um, silicone. Um, that's pretty much my go-to. So there's no allergies Great. there. Do you no allergies for you? No, no, okay. no, no. Great. So I'm going to skip around, actually, yeah. because sometimes the best way of doing stars is actually rats. Um, but I like starting with the, uh, the STI and I do that because I like to hear how people respond to that. And if they're really uncomfortable, uh, then I may know that, oh, maybe they're not a good match for me because I want somebody to be able to be comfortable with that. But sometimes you don't really need that first S until later when you know you're going to have sex. So, so I'm going to go to R like, you know, um, for me, sex has a lot of different meanings and my intentions with you would be to just explore like let's uh get together and just maybe uh no penetration i really am not interested in penetration for the first time but i really would like to just get to know your body and uh some of the things that i really expect i really don't like ghosting and i so prefer that if you know whatever whatever it turns out to be I'm a big girl and I could listen to like, hey, I just don't feel this or this is going to be work out or it was really fun or other feelings that may come up. So I'm really open and I, I really uh, dislike uh, being ghosted. And that's really important to me. Uh, if that's something that's difficult for you or if you have a habit of that, that's okay. Just may, we may not be a good match. Um, and another expectation that I have is that I do like to cuddle after intimacy. Um, some people, you know, I, I do like to cuddle and. Wow. That, I'm still processing what you just said. <laughs> okay. So my intentions, remember, I'm just, I'm learning this too. My intentions are, you know, just, I love that to explore. I, you just eloquently just said all of this and I'm like, yes, I want to do that. I want to do that too. Yeah. But um, and you can you can yeah, say that yeah I mean all everything that you said I love the ghosting part because I, I like you said we're I'm a big girl if you don't want to be with me again tell me I was thinking when you said cuddling I was thinking well you know do I like to cuddle because I've never really asked myself that I guess um, I love a good laugh I love you know processing and talking with people I'm so sapiosexual so a good conversation is just as sexual to me and I love that afterwards and kind of what did you like what did you not like you know kind of debrief and see if we are a good match moving forward yeah so let's talk a little bit about avoids or boundaries uh, I you know, sexually, I do like to play with sensation. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm into BDSM. I don't really like, uh, I don't like a lot of pain, honestly. And I don't like power roles. So I'm not into DS mm -hmm. situations. Uh, and if that's something you're interested in, great, but that's not really my cup of tea. I also have a pretty strong boundary about two things. One is to not hit me in the face. But, you know, unless we've had a, another conversation, mm -hmm. that's okay. Uh, and I also don't like to have sex if me or, or you have drank more than two alcoholic drinks. I find that, that consent can be a little messy when, when you're intoxicated, especially in the first few times. So um, I usually like to have the first few times I'm with somebody with, uh, to be alcohol-free. Uh, my other boundaries are I really don't like any humiliation. 
Um, I don't, I really dislike uh, age play, especially when I'm the older woman. <laughs> I don't want to play mommy. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, yeah, that's pretty much my, my avoid. I have no trauma um, that I haven't yet processed. I don't really have any triggers. So, uh, but I'd like to know if you do. What are some of your boundaries? I, absolutely. So um, I am, I don't do anal with anybody other than my husband. Um, let's see. I, I have, there's trauma in my life, but nothing I haven't processed and dealt with. I, I do um, like a little bit of the impact play. Not a don't hit me in the face type thing. I don't like that either. But you know, I, some of the impact play, I love playing with sensations. Um, uh, hot wax or ice or, you know, just the, the different feelings on the body, part of exploring. Um, I, yeah, I mean, just coming up with it off the top of my head, I'm going to do your workbook, yeah. but coming up off the top of my head, yeah. that's pretty much it as well. Uh, yeah. I, I have a question. I have a question for you though. If you ever had any like trigger, if you're ever triggered in, in a sexual situation, how does that look for you? Because I want to know, because some people it looks like fawning or some people it looks like freezing. And I just want to be able to to be in touch with that in case that comes up. I cry. I have really big emotions. Okay. And it's not like tears of, okay. it's not like, oh, I mean, it's just, I, I cry. I have, mm-hmm. it's just who I am. Um, so that's my, my go-to. I am getting so much better at controlling that emotion and not allowing it to overpower but sometimes tears still fall down and um but yeah and i we talk about it afterwards i, I, I would or Great. during it i would like to talk about it with you um if that were to happen Great. i love that i'm a crier too so that sounds great <laughs> uh, we t- we talked to, you told me a little bit about what you like too and let me tell you some of my turn-ons i love sensation play and i love really like soft touch uh, I like to start slowly. I actually really enjoy starting by 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 grounding in with somebody. Like I need to ground in and breathe a little bit and feel comfortable before we enter into that more sensual, sexual, intimate space. Um, I love sensation. I love to start slowly. I love soft touch. I love all of the things you talked about. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, my pain level is probably around a six and a half out of 10. Okay. Maybe I could go up to a seven or an eight, but like, that's it. After that, I'm not into going really hard or for very long at that, at those high levels. Uh, I, I really enjoy all sorts of sexual activity. I love penetration. Um, I or oral is also very interesting for me because I am one of these women that don't really like a lot of sensation, like a lot of touch on my clitoris, mm-hmm. around my clitoris. The way that you play with my clitoris is really more like uh, on top of it and just pressure. So no direct stimulation on my clitoris. It just numbs me out. I don't really like vibration. So if we want to use some sex tools or toys, whatever you want to yeah. call them, sometimes I like calling them sex tools, um, that could be fun. But I also really prefer just using body parts. Oh, okay. I love it. Thank you for sharing. This is like a whole first yeah. date for us. And we're just <laughs> <laughs> just met. But I mean, it seems like this would be a, like a great first date conversation. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and, and, and just understand, like, I've done this many times. Oh, yes. So it's no. easy. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And the Is last... there anything else that you like that turned... No. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I will let you know as it comes up. Started... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, the last is the safety. Like, you know, in order for me to feel safe with you, we kind of talked about... Uh, you know, grounding in and having this conversation really co-create safety. I already talked about alcohol, um, other chemical enhancements. We could discuss that, but you know, I prefer uh, sober initially. Uh, I otherwise, I feel pretty good. I, I don't have any other physical uh, safety needs. You mentioned that you have ADHD, so you know, sometimes that might play into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I think I kind of, I'm not worried about getting pregnant with you. And, right. <laughs> and I, and you know, we, it, depending on what we talk, we do, we could talk about using, uh, you know, what I call barriers. I don't like saying the word protection because you can't ever be fully uh, protected. Yes. So thank you for saying yeah. that. So, and that's me. Uh, safety wise, um, I use protect or not we just got through saying that and here i go saying it barriers barriers i know i don't know i was thinking protection barriers is what i was trying to say um for penetrative sex but i mean i'm not getting pregnant especially you know with a woman but i'm not getting pregnant period it's been i've been fixed um other than that i really don't have any safety concerns or issues great so you know it's very interesting talking about language right like protection. I know. This is barriers. We're going to so. get to that. So let us take yes. a really quick commercial break. Um, and we're going to come back and um, we're going to talk about how we can start to destigmatize that stuff, the STIs and how we can, what language we need to use. So many, so many great things. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. And uh, now we're going to tell everyone about topless travel and the amazing trips we have planned for this year. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You want me to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Please. All right. Yeah, we have, um, you know, topless travel are our good friends and they provide the sexiest and most erotic vacations ever. They, we go to Hedonism 2 in Jamaica, Desire in Cancun, and of course, all the Bliss Cruise experiences. And topless travel definitely needs to be your number one choice. Yeah, their trips are, and events are all about the people and their sexy, fun experiences. Let's just shout out to some of the host couples, including Jessica and Justin, and of course, Party Mark. They're there to ensure that you have one hell of a good vacation. Absolutely. And as you heard on many of our shows, you'll find us on lots of the topless travel trips, including the April Bliss Cruise, the November Bliss Cruise. But listen up, those are sold out. We are absolutely so excited about the Sexy Silver event happening at Temptation Grand Miches in the Dominican Republic. Um, It's going to be a full resort takeover at the newest and most erotic upscale lifestyle friendly resort. Um, So join us October 14th to 21st, 2023. We're going to be there broadcasting live from the resort. We'd love to meet you and maybe have you on our show. Yeah, for sure. And for more information about these trips or any of the topless travel events, you can go to thesexylifestyle.com and click on the Topless Travel Events link to book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. And also let's remind everyone that if you're looking for an online open-minded community to find compatible people and events in your area, simply join sdc.com and use promo code 30314 to get your first month free. Awesome. And we're back. This is Stephanie from the Evolve Your Intimacy podcast. And we are speaking with Dr. Eveline Dacker. And we're going to start talking about how we can destigmatize STDs or STIs and STDs. We're about to get into that. We're going to start talking about how important language is as well. And so I, my first question is, 
can you share the difference between STIs and STDs and why using the correct language is so important? Yeah, you know, what we're talking about is, is, is infections. So we're talking about pathogens. We're talking about viruses and bacteria and parasites. Diseases are the sequelae or what could happen if you get an infection. Like, you know, if you get HIV, then you get AIDS. When we use STDs, then I feel like that's really stigmatizing sexuality. In fact, I think that STIs are the metaphor for our sex negativity, for the way we're uncomfortable with sexuality, which is why I like talking about STIs, mm-hmm. because it's a really good way of helping people transform how they feel about themselves and, and sex. So I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think is the three worst STIs out there? For me personally, um, syphilis, gonorrhea, and HIV. Okay. That's for me. The three worst, yeah, the three worst STIs are guilt, shame, and fear. I love it. (laughs) And I have all of that. (laughs) I mean, we all do, right? When we're brought up with our sex education, saying that you're going to get something because you're promiscuous and the only way to avoid STIs, that we're even like part of the CDC way of avoiding STIs is be monogamous, only have one partner, use condoms. Don't have sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're taught to avoid STI. So what do we do if we have sex with more than one person? What do we do if we're living with a chronic STI? What do we do? Even like I know people that have had sex with one person and ended up with mm-hmm. herpes. And all of a sudden they feel like stigmatized and they could never have sex again and they'll never find a partner because our stories around it are so negative and so toxic. So by actually recognizing that these are infections, just like, hey, we just went through two years of a pandemic. Yes. We're standing within six feet of somebody could give us an infection, right? Yeah. And long COVID, I would say long COVID is a disease, but we're not calling it a disease, are we? No, we're not. Okay. So, you know, we and the other part about calling it an ST sexually transmitted infection is that when we think about what sex is most people think of it as penetration so everybody thinks like all you need to do is wear a condom and you avoid stis because you're avoiding penetration like penetration of the anus penetration of the, of the vaginal canal or penetration of the throat but sex is so much more than that like sex is is all of it right it's mm-hmm. not and i just recently started thinking about like the word foreplay why don't we that's sex that is that's sex. sexual activity that's part of the main activity so let's just call it play so people could actually get one of the stis such as herpes by never even having penetration mm-hmm. you could just you don't even you just have to have skin to skin contact Yes, it's easier, you know, it's more transmittable if there is some penetration, but it's not necessary. Uh, People could give themselves herpes if they have an outbreak on their mouth and then they touch their genitalia. So, you know, we need to recognize that there's just so much more to this. So STIs are our metaphor for our sex negativity. It's our metaphor for just feeling really uncomfortable, feeling guilty Mm -hmm. that we're having sex, feeling ashamed that, oh my gosh, I didn't use a condom. What are they going to think? Feeling ashamed if they got something. And the fear, the fear of getting an STI can keep so many people 
from connecting with one another. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the saddest thing in the world. Absolutely. And so when we when we begin to destigmatize them, let's what are some of the common stigmas or misconceptions about STIs? Well, that you have you're promiscuous if you mm-hmm. get one. Mm-hmm. That you need penetration to get one. That um, you're you know uh, you're going to get a disease and be marked for life if you have one. And what are some of the ways of uh, reframing it? Is that they're just pathogens they're just infections and we give each other infections all the time mm-hmm. we give each other cold influenza more people die from you know covid than they've died from herpes which you know yes. doesn't kill anybody i mean there's very few people that actually do have a really bad herpes outbreak and they have to manage it and that is challenging but the majority of people don't in fact the majority of people who get herpes in particular because that's the one that i really find the most fascinating uh, because it's the one that most people are scared of. I, most people who get herpes don't even know, their partners don't even know they have it. Mm-hmm. So they get it from someone who either didn't disclose or doesn't even know they have it. In fact, 80% of people could have it on low levels and they never actually break out or they break out in ways that aren't typical. Like they don't have the sores. They may have like, they ha- could have pain in their, in their vulva, in their vagina or pain on their cervix or in their anus. And it can feel like her uh, hemorrhoids. So there's it's just much bigger than what we what we're taught in you know middle school, high school, sex ed, and see all the scary pictures. I really feel like the way we're taught about sexually transmitted infections is very. Um, it also others other people. It others people. Mm-hmm. We tend to put people in boxes like men who have sex with men. Well, they're at high risk of HIV and monkeypox. And and yes, we do see that maybe people with penises who have sex with other people with penises tend to have higher rates of those. But why don't we ask ourselves why? Why do they have higher mm-hmm. rates? Is it their anatomy? Is it their behavior? Or is it their internalized stigma? Is it their internalized shame? And is it their internalized shame and don't have outlets for sexuality? And so they, you know, they may go to bathhouses and have multiple sexual partners. And, and these are questions I've actually asked uh, people who who participate in those activities. Like, I, I don't think that what they're doing is wrong, but sometimes I ask, I, I have asked some people, like, what motivates you? Like, why? Why do you do that? Why do you not use condoms? And what is behind that? And how does that make you feel? And, you know, I realize that we're not asking those questions. We're just mm-hmm. putting people in boxes and saying, if you do this, then you're at risk, and that means you're bad or you're scary mm-hmm. or we have to fear you. Um, so like, you know, putting people in boxes, putting people in boxes of like heterosexuality, putting people in boxes due to race. Some people like, uh, black people tend to have higher rates of some STIs. So we can't just say, oh, black people have more sex or they don't use whatever. It really has to do with deeper socio-ecological reasons that this happens because they don't have the same resources Mm -hmm. or education or ability to or even know how to say yes or no. So many people don't know how to say yes or no to things, which is why the whole stars talk is so important. Yes. You know, going back to that. And we're going to keep going back to uh, it too. Yeah. I mean, going back to the stars talk and why sexual health and STIs are so important to, to 
bring up in these conversations. Because the more we talk about them, and the more we educate ourselves, each other about them, just like, you know, I just said about not using the word protection. Mm -hmm. Because have you ever had a broken heart? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, you know, you weren't protected against that. Yes, exactly. So many more people, so many more people end up leaving a relationship with a broken heart than they do leave with a pregnancy or an STI. So why are we just trying to protect, like, you know, let's just not use protection because it's impossible to protect ourselves. But you could use barriers, you know, sexual barriers. Um, You can make decisions about different, maybe not have certain engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, you can make those decisions. So by actually talking about things, we start changing culture. And we cannot change culture until we feel we're not going to get comfortable in doing this until you hear other people doing it Mm -hmm. and you have people ask you. So STARS really is not not only for people who are in different uh, sex positive subcultures. It's not only for people who are polyamorous and all monogamous or swingers. It's not only for people who are queer. Um, it's actually for everybody. Because by doing this and by talking about STIs and making that so, that to me is the most important way of decrease, uh, of quote unquote, protecting yourself. Protection. You know? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like the most, it's the best way of trying to have safer sex is by actually having this conversation and talking about when you were last tested. And I, I so sometimes I've asked patients, and I'm like, so you're dating. Have you had this STI talk? And they're like, oh, no. And and they're like, oh, no, he he's, was in a long-term marriage. I had this happen once. He was in a long-term marriage, and so was I. So, no, we didn't talk about it. And and I, I did her exam. And I'm like, hey, we should just do an STI test because you have a new partner. And she was like, why? I don't need to because, you know, we're both monogamous. I did her I did her STI test, and she came back positive for gonorrhea and chlamydia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like – you can't make assumptions about people. I've had other people say, oh my gosh, I asked him and he was so offended at me. I'm like, yeah, we have to start asking more so people don't realize that you're not, there's nothing offensive about it. Mm-hmm. If we if we talk about it as a way of like, I want to protect my, I want to protect my partner. Mm-hmm. I want to protect you. I want to, you know, protect again. I, I want to reduce the ability that I'm going to harm you in some way. So let's talk about our sexual health and let's talk about the things that, yeah, they may feel a little uncomfortable, but you know, getting naked could be a little uncomfortable too. Absolutely. And going off of the language, instead of, you know, protection, maybe Mm -hmm. trying to normalize safer sex protocols, what's your safer sex Mm -hmm. protocol? Mm -hmm changing Mm -hmm. the language and I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm so I I believe so strongly and once we start changing the language we start changing mindsets and I don't know if we change mindsets before we change language or if we change language before we change mindsets but we cannot accept things and accept change if we are still thinking the same way and so like you like you just said I mean those that language is important and talking about it and and normalizing it is important and think about pronouns and gender, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was like only five years ago where people were like, I don't, why should I have to ask people's pronouns? Or, or why do they want to be a they? They is plural, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of resistance to it. And all of a sudden we normalized it. People started just saying, hey, you know, it's important. Mm-hmm. It's important to validate people for who they are. And 
You know, now in a hospital, people have their pronouns on their name tags. It's on the in- intake sheets. Like we're just normalizing it. Therefore, we normalize that people don't have to be cis male and cis female, mm-hmm. right? We normalize that you can be a gender that feels right to you. The gender is a, a social construct. So when we that, if we could do that, and that's pretty darn big, I believe we could normalize having these conversations with each other. I believe that we could normalize and mainstream the idea that you're going to sit down on a first date and just go over your basic stars. Mm-hmm. You could, it doesn't even have to be as intense as what we did. It could be really simple, like, this is what I like, this is my agreements, this is what is important to me, this is my STI stand. Center, and this is what I need just to feel safe. I mean, it could be really that simple. And it doesn't have to be done in any particular order either. It's just to remind you those five things that we should think about. So how what do you tell people who have an STI that they're living with? Um, how do they bring that up? What is what do you recommend? How do they say that to their partners? How do they how do they start that conversation? Ooh, that's a big one. You know, there's no one right one right way. Some people, like say they are living with herpes or HPV, you know, some people might want to say it right away or on their dating profiles or like, hey, this is who I am, just so that they don't go deeper, right? If mm-hmm. somebody's like, oh, I can't date you, then like what? Other people recommend to get to know someone and then disclose. Disclosing is very important. It can be very scary, especially for someone who hasn't done it before. Disclosure can be very scary because you may get rejected and nobody likes getting rejected. But if somebody rejects you, they're not doing it because of you. They're doing it because of themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tell people. It's like, it's not you. It's their fear. It's their internalized shame. It's their internalized sex negativity. And you can't blame them. Look what we're taught. Mm -hmm. And also, it may have to do that they have other things going on in their life and they just can't take that risk. And you will find someone who loves you for who you are regardless. I mean, what's the difference between somebody who has herpes and someone who has severe anxiety or or mental health issues, right? We tend to love people because we love them. Mm -hmm. And moving away from that. So yes, disclosure could be hard. And I have worked with people who just, it's really about letting go of their internalized shame and fear, and then recognize that if somebody rejects them, it's because of that person's internalized shame and fear. I work with clients and you know, who have one client in particular that I'm thinking of, clients come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I just was diagnosed with whatever. I had one client tell me at one point, um, she had HPV, no, no, HSV. And she told me she would rather have a cancer diagnosis than that because she felt her entire life was over. And right. that that is such a powerful thing to think about. People really feel like their life is over because of this stigmatize the stigmatization stigmatization on herpes. Oh, absolutely. In fact, you know, I think I I I can't quote this right because it's quoting off the top of my head. Um Courtney Brame, who runs a wonderful podcast for people called Something Positive for Positive People. And he's interviewed you know, hundreds of people with, with herpes. He did a survey and it was something like 78% of people when they first found out their diagnosis felt extremely depressed. Mm-hmm. And a portion of those felt like they, you know, wanted to, had suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. 
And a huge amount of people go and feel like they could never find another partner. I, he has all these statistics. And again, I don't know them off at the top of my head. And, and the other thing is when somebody has that, I really try to point them to the resources of other people who could show them that it, it doesn't have to, that story doesn't have to live with them. And it's, it is frightening because some people, because of their guilt over sex and the taboo around sex, they feel like they'd rather have cancer. Yeah, I, I felt that that was probably one of the most powerful realizations is, wow, that's, you really are ashamed of this and there's nothing to be ashamed of. You had sex and mm-hmm. you you got, you got contracted something. Okay, it's manageable. It's not going to kill you, like you said earlier. Um, right. And nothing has been, no one has ever died of herpes, but we've right. died of COVID. We've died of, you know, so mm-hmm. many other things that are non-sex related. So do you... So when they're having that stars conversation, do you think that or do you think that the people should who have the um, STI just just normalize it and say, hey, you know what? This is what I have. Or do you feel like they should try to educate the person? Like what what's the right protocol for that? <laughs> there is no right protocol for that. Uh, there is no right protocol. I, I, as someone who does not have herpes, I want to make that clear because I do a lot of work with people who have herpes. Um, as someone who does not have herpes, I really can't say. Uh, I think that any way that you can do it when somebody's comfortable, I think disclosure is very important. How you disclose and when you disclose and whether or not you need to educate somebody, that really is an individual thing. I think sometimes a lot of people want more resources. And I, I heard one person say, uh, yeah, I have herpes. And, you know, if you want more information about this, I could point you to some resources. So that's a really good way of doing it. And just like there's a lot of information out there. But, you know, to have to be the teacher mm-hmm. is also puts a lot of burden, um, unnecessary burden on the person who has the infection. So I would just say, you know, you don't have to be the teacher, but maybe pointing them to some resources if they ask or first ask if they want them. This is some excellent information, and I am so excited to continue to talk to you. But we have to take a very quick commercial break and we'll be right back after our sponsors. Ladies, are you ready to take your intimacy to the next level? Head over to EvolveYourIntimacy.com to learn more about intimacy, relationships, and sex counseling. And gentlemen, do you need a little bit more? Head over to our website to learn tips on how to communicate with that special someone and ignite that flame. If you enjoy our content and guests and would like to help us grow, go to our website, EvolveYourIntimacy.com to follow, like, subscribe, and comment on all of our social media accounts. Now, let's get back to the show. Hi, this is Stephanie from the Evolve Your Intimacy podcast, and we are talking with Dr. Eveline Dacker, and we've talked about destigmatizing STIs. We've talked about her STARS model and so many things. I want to kind of turn the conversation a little bit to what do what do people say or how do people navigate being medically stigmatized by professionals when they are disclosing that or they find out that they have an STI? How do they navigate that? Ooh, that's a hard one. Uh, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, physicians aren't taught very much about how to navigate sexuality. Mm-hmm. And as a, I could speak from a physician's 
point of view, not from a patient's point of view with this, but I have had some issues there too. Physicians just, we see, when we think about sexuality, we think of it as problems. So somebody comes in, they have erectile dysfunction, we write them a prescription for a pill. Somebody comes in, we do their STI test, and they come back positive, maybe we'll have our medical assistant call them, maybe we'll have them come back in, or we'll just be like, we'll call them and say, oh yeah, you came back positive for gonorrhea and chlamydia, and I wrote a prescription for you, uh, and you know, do you have any questions? Um, so a lot of times patients feel left alone. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're all of a sudden they find out they have a diagnosis and they're like, okay, here's a pamphlet, goodbye. They feel really alone because physicians aren't taught how to navigate their own biases, our own discomfort. It's scary because it means like if we're going to talk about sex, we have to feel really comfortable mm-hmm. with that. I often, you know, with let's say my male patients, they'll come in and I'll be like, so I use the word intimacy because it's a little easier for people. Right? Like, how's your sex life? Um, I just think that's your intimacy. And, you know, depending on their age, I might be like, oh, are you having more trouble with maintaining erections, you know, or and normalizing it? I just really try to normalize the conversation. Like, are you, how are you enjoying, do you have, uh, do you have a pleasure, self-pleasure practice? Do you orgasm? How is that for you? You know, uh, as a physician, I just have practiced saying the words and being able to say them it normalizes my patients being able to receive them. So unfortunately, we have a long ways to go to educating physicians. Mm -hmm. And we have a long ways to go with having physicians understand their internalized bias, their unconscious bias around sexuality. I believe it could change. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we could I'll do a better job of it. And, you know, as I said, I wrote stars, one of the people I wrote star stories for my patients. And I really think like getting this information to physicians so that they could tell their patients like, Hey, there's this great framework that maybe you could, you could learn. And the framework is how, you know, you can learn how to talk about STI status. And maybe you could think about like what your boundaries are, what you need. Like you don't have to go into all the, mm-hmm. the stars thing and then just hand, you know, give the patients the framework um, for them to kind of explore and the resources to explore it. But I think that if we, as, as healthcare providers, we just don't have the same uh, understanding. Like I was just, at this conference today on clitoral pain and it was put on by this urology group and they were talking about how important it is to have gynecologists and urologists and some of the problems one of the uh reasons some people have clitoral pain is because they have low back pain and herniated discs but you know they were saying how we would they didn't know anything about the 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 urologist really never thought about like disc lumbar disc disease and why would they think about that because they're urologists and and you know they have to get the 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 neurosurgeon involved and i'm like oh my god this is primary care stuff this Mm -hmm. is stuff that every family physician should know like we it shouldn't just be to the specialist you don't need to just go to a gynecologist like your primary care the first person you walk into should feel comfortable enough to understand that sexuality exists in our entire lives so like if you're having issues, like if you're having vaginal pain and you don't ask a person about it, they may never tell you because they think it belongs to the gynecologist. Mm-hmm. And yet 
that may have their vaginal pain may have to do something with their back or something with a medicine that you gave them. I mean, it's so it really we just need to normalize it. And so people aren't so left alone. That's my that's my perspective as a family physician. I love that. And so let's say that how do you suggest people who have you know how do they advocate for themselves they who have been discriminated against by medical doctors? Mm, mm, find a new medical doctor. Absolutely. Number 1. <laughs> <laughs> um you know and and this also comes to say like people who are non-monogamous, right? Mm-hmm. Who practice non-monogamy. Usually if they're not asked, they're not going to say it. People who are practice kink or BDSM, right? If they're not asked, they're not going to say it. So yes, it sometimes is if you're comfortable, tell your provider. Say, I I'm, I may have a ring on my finger and I, yes, you know my husband and my children, but we are swingers. So could you please do an STI test? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, so that's, yes, it does take advoc- advocating for yourself. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I went to the doctor once asking for an STI test and she didn't even know how to do it. I had to teach her how to do it. Wow. So yeah, that's sexual health is not taught in medical school. No, I mean, not beyond erectile dysfunction and, you know, contraception and STIs and just all the problems. No, not really. Maybe it's taught for four hours of all of medical school. And sex is so such a huge part of our life. I mean, it's I know you walk down the street, everybody you pass besides a slight few are sexual and they've been they've right. had sex they've been sexual they've touched themselves but it's such a taboo topic and right. so this is i'm gonna i'm gonna switch lanes again just kind of using the language and talking about it do you feel like um that would help reduce sexual assault especially like on college campuses oh my god yes yes Yes, which is why I'm so passionate about teaching this in colleges. Yes, I think that if we are, if we, if more people had this tool, the uh-huh. stars talk, if more people had that tool, then they would be able to advocate for themselves. It's a consent talk. It's, it's a safer sex talk. You know, it's a, it's a way of co-creating a container, even if it's just at a party and you're hooking up with somebody. Right. I often I, I thought like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if everybody just wrote their stars and had it like on a billboard, like on a board? And then if you're going to hook up with somebody, you could go read theirs. You know? Oh, that's a great <laughs> idea, actually. Yeah. I mean, like just normalizing it. So I definitely feel that having a conversation that, you know, you could lead, you could think about you've already thought about it for yourself because the most important person to do a stars talk with is yourself so once you've got it down for yourself then you could definitely advocate like think about um oh i'm forgetting his name it's two a's and he's a comedian um he had that sexual assault where he took somebody to his room and she ended up giving him a blowjob, but she didn't want to and left. And, you know, it was this big hoo And I was like, oh, my God, if they only had a stars talk, mm-hmm. none of that would have happened. Mm-hmm. None of that would have happened. So, yes, I think that it is a very powerful tool. And again, changing culture. We're not going to change culture if we continue to have sexuality as a taboo because we're going to continue having you know, people don't know how to navigate it. A lot of people who were brought up as as boys don't weren't taught the skills of how to mm-hmm. navigate and how to listen and how to understand boundaries. People who were brought up as little girls 
don't know how to say, you know, are only taught to say no. So how do they know how to say yes? Mm -hmm. How do they know that they're able to enjoy and could ask for what they want? They're not just there. Sexuality is not there just to have a penis, have an orgasm. I was just talking about this with some uh, fellow colleagues who are not certified sex therapists. And we were talking about, you know, people are women traditionally those who have been raised as feminine women or not feminine but as women I can't use my words tonight for some reason but we're trying <laughs> um we're taught that we say no say no say no say no you know we're we save it for and uh, from the south save it for marriage and all of this mm. stuff and then on your wedding night you're just supposed to magically know what to do and it's unrealistic and so we were just talking about just how sometimes it's just so unrealistic and the pressure that we put on ourselves. But this star's model is actually exactly what the world needs to knock everybody, I mean, back into some good, wholesome conversation. And I Mm -hmm. love that you created a workbook. So tell us about the workbook. Yes, because I feel so passionately about this and because sometimes it's really hard to get it all just by seeing the acronym. Um, I created a workbook, which is kind of like one of those cosmopolitan uh, quizzes. You know, you go yes. in the magazine, and you just check things off. So it's like a Cosmo quiz, but only 33 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it, it would probably take a good, you know, 20 minutes at the most, you know, to go mm-hmm. through it. But it has a lot of questions like, do you like this? Do you like not? Is this your voice? What about? So it goes, every section has a bunch of options to help you think about, oh, because you wouldn't necessarily think about these because we're not taught to think about them. Yes. Uh, so by going, so I created this workbook for people. It's free. It's available because the more we know, the more we could advocate for ourselves and the more we're going to change culture. And where can they find the free workbook? They can find it at the website, maketimeforthetalk.com. Make time for the talk. It's a little long, but you know, when you type it in, you kind of remember mm-hmm. to make time for the talk because the talk is important. Make time for the talk. It's right there on the first homepage. Just Put in your email to download a free workbook. There's no strings attached. I'm not going to harass you by giving you emails every, you know, any emails I would send out are emails you're going to want to get because they're going to be full of juicy information, including when I do workshops because I do some online workshops where we actually practice it. Sometimes I have um, six-week courses where we go deep diving into it. And, um, yeah, so all of that. And then there's also the guidebook I wrote for destigmatized STIs, which could be purchased on my website. That is a guidebook that kind of that talks about all the STIs, and it does it in a lang- it does it by ungendered language. I never use gender it. I never use categories. I don't other anybody. All I do is I use anatomy and behaviors. And there's sections. Uh, there's two big plus sections, there's a whole section on herpes, and there's a whole section on human papillomavirus or, or mm-hmm. HPV. There's a section on how what to use to minimize STIs. There's a section on how to disclose and the stars and communication. So it's, it has, it's jam-packed with information. And anybody can take these workshops? 
Yes, yes. Once I have them. I, I have been so busy this year, I haven't put them on. But they will be having new workshops in in, in 2023. I, yes. I, I'm right there with you. I've, we hold, we host workshops too, but have just been so busy. I'm like, okay, well, they're going to get there. Uh, we're going to do them again in the very near future, just not today. Um, so. Right. I love that. I love that that's a free resource as well, the stars. And then they can purchase the destigmatizing STIs off of your website as well. And that mm-hmm. is that on the um, Make Time for the Talk website as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's on that. Yeah. And then, you know, more information. I have some Instagrams. Um, I have the Instagram that's Make Time for the Talk. Uh-huh. So it has about stars. And then I have an Instagram called Sex Med Doc. That sexual health, destigmatize, just that's more my personal one. So that's a real two other good resources just to get some quick information. And and you present your information in a way that, of course, is not stigmatizing. There's no shame. There's no guilt. But you present it in a way it's fun. You're you're just really fun. You're you you have this <laughs> charisma and this spunk about you that makes people want to talk to you. So I have been following your Instagram. Um, you know, research plus fangirl. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so I love how you it's not all clinical and all of that either. I mean, there's there's clinical aspects to it, but you're not talking over people's heads. I try not to. I feel that like I won't understand it. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be able to understand it. So awesome. and I want everybody else to understand it. As I said, you know, I really believe that we could make a difference. We could make the world better as well as all just have better relationships and better sex and and treat each other mm-hmm. in a way that is kind and compassionate. And this is part of it. I appreciate you taking the time just to talk and educate me and all of our listeners. What do you want our listeners to walk away with? What's that nugget that you want them to walk away with? To do the stars talk. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's just normalize these conversations. Take a chance. Take a risk. You know, take a risk and just saying, hey, I often tell my patients, I'm like, just say, hey, my doctor gave me this thing that she wanted me to try out. Like blame, blame, blame this, uh, this podcast. Say, hey, I heard this on the podcast. Yes. You try it out with me and even do it with your partner. Like if you have a, a part, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be something new. In fact, my partner and I do it about once a year. We kind of sit down and kind of like go over it again because things change. So practice it, learn it. Use it and be one of those people that are going to make the world a better place. You are such a beautiful spirit, and um, I'm, I want to work with you and help you change the world. So awesome! Thank you for taking the time tonight, and um, hopefully we can do this again. And I will. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Great, thank you. <laughs> All right, good night. It's great being here. Thank you. Good night. All right, friends, tune in again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health, and, of course, pleasure. Oh, and all the fun ways that you can spice up your sex life. Well, that's it for our show today. On behalf of Carol and David, we are Stephanie and Fox from Evolve Your Intimacy, sending you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe, and, of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 